You're listening to Fresh Ideas for Teaching. Hi, everyone. This is Walter Rodriguez, and you're listening to the Fresh Ideas for Teaching podcast. I'm here with my colleague, Jamie Downey, director on the K-5 MyView Literacy Solution. Jamie, who's our special guest today? Thanks, Walter. I'm honored to have Dr. Judy Wallace on the show today to discuss what really matters in literacy education. Dr. Wallace has spent the past four decades as a teacher, literacy coach, university instructor, and staff developer. Her professional focus is on reading comprehension, writing, and whole school and district change through literacy instruction. Judy's publications include the Blue Pages in Conversations with Reggie Routman and Comprehension Intervention Grades K-2 and Comprehension Intervention Grades 3-6 with Stephanie Harvey and Ann Goodvis. Dr. Wallace has shared her vast experience with us in the development of MyView Literacy, our newest K-5 literacy solution. Dr. Wallace, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're so glad to have you. And as we dig into our newest podcast series, Learning to Read What Really Matters, we asked MyView authors and educational leaders, what is it that you value most? What are the hills you're willing to die on, if you will? As always, you had an amazing response that we'll talk about shortly, but you started with a message that struck me as vitally important. You said, everything that occurs in our classroom communicates what we value most to our students. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean and what experiences have led you there? Sure. Uh, What I've learned in the past now almost 50 years uh, is that the classroom is a a sacred place and we have to enter that classroom with enormous respect. Uh, We need to um, we need to think about how every word we speak and everything that we do uh, makes an impact on students and they make a uh, they, they infer things from all the ways in which we run that classroom. So when we fill a classroom with stuff versus substance, uh, kids make an assumption uh, that our time together is not all that important. And so I always think in terms of what can I do, what can I say, And how can I communicate that I want students to enter the classroom with a sense of joy and curiosity and a willingness to be vulnerable? And the only reason kids are vulnerable is because we've made that classroom a safe, secure place um, where they can put their ideas and their thoughts uh, without any risk. I think all of us have asked the question, I know I certainly did as a student, um, why are we learning this anyway? And so uh, I think as teachers, we can often answer that question, certainly. But I think it's important for kids to know uh, why they're learning something and why it might be important. I I use as a kind of litmus test for myself uh, when I'm planning uh, for instruction, I use this question, is there a destination for what we're spending our time doing in the classroom out in the real world? And for me, that's a really important question and one that I uh, make sure that I think about. 
I also, uh, one other little quick way that I think that we can make the classroom uh, a place that communicates all that we want it to is um, that all the words that we use are words about what we want kids to do, not what we don't want kids to do. And I found that that's made a huge difference uh, in my own teaching, uh, which I do on a regular basis, not this year, but uh, I typically am in classrooms about a hundred days a year. So uh, that's an important uh, caveat, I think, is to make sure kids know what we want them to do versus what we don't want them to do. I couldn't agree more. I think I think your points about really making learning relevant and helping kids understand why, as well as, you know, positive reinforcement versus the negative reinforcement are, are absolutely critical. And and you you are in classrooms and I one of the things I love about talking with you is is how you are you're constantly working with new and aspiring teachers. And I'm curious, as you work with new and aspiring teachers, how do you coach those values, determining values and communicating those values through action? And how do teachers know if they're on the right track? Well, I think the the thing that I've learned the most is that uh, it's important for us to spend time thinking about our beliefs and really articulating those beliefs. The educators that I admire, um, their beliefs are obvious because of the practices that they use. And so uh, it was, um, I guess, 20 years ago now that I read the book that the Sizers wrote called The Students Are Watching. And so I know that beliefs are communicated through our actions. And so uh, the work that I've done with schools and districts uh, and and certainly the students in my classroom, I emphasize how important it is for you to do some reflection and think about what is it you really believe about teaching and learning. And so um, that certainly is an important first step. But if we stop there what happens is that we never get to the next step, which is how do our practices, how are they influenced by the beliefs that we have? In a sense, practices in the classroom become the evidence of our beliefs. So if I walk through a school, I can infer the beliefs within the school by the actions and the and the kinds of practices teachers use. Uh, I think when we uh, take time to identify our beliefs and also the practices, we teach with a sense of clarity. And what I want to preserve in young teachers, particularly, is I I don't want them to have some um, sort of nagging inner struggle about why they're not feeling as though things are going the way they should. So if they're anchored with beliefs and they've decided on practices, then they have a sense of um, uh, clarity, but they also have a sense of where to troubleshoot uh, when things don't seem to be going well. So Let me give you a quick example. If I believe that it's important for students to talk in a classroom, then I'm going to 
uh, emphasize um, turning and talking, stopping my instruction from time to time and letting kids turn and talk. I'm going to make sure that kids participate in book clubs and um, and inquiry circles so that they can talk to each other and learn from each other. And I'm going to make sure that I confer with students so that uh, I hear their thoughts and ideas. So when we've anchored those beliefs and we've decided on practices, then the rest becomes really easy because we simply get better and better at those practices. So Judy, are there times that you have seen well-meaning teachers inadvertently communicate the wrong message? Well, I think we're all guilty of that from time to time. And that's one of the reasons why I think teacher reflection is so critical. Uh, because if we don't stop and rethink our days with kids, uh, we, we don't. Um, we sometimes miss those miscommunications. Uh, I have a quick personal story that I think is, is one that uh, illustrates this so well. I was working with a teacher, and, and I have to say that this was some years ago, probably seven or eight years ago now, and this teacher has become an amazing, amazing, amazing uh, teacher and coach, and uh, and so I, my, one of my first days with him, we were in the library and uh, it had been emphasized to him that he should be ever so careful about not letting children check out a book that was above their level. And so um, I, he and I were standing there and uh, one of the students brought a book up uh, and, and showed it to him and he was making the kids check their books. Uh, as they were getting ready to check them out of the library. And uh, he said, uh, he, he took a look at the book and, and uh, as always, he was respectful of kids. And he said, well, it looks like an interesting book, but I think it's too hard for you. And uh, so um, uh, he, the, the student sort of dismayed, walked away and chose a different book, obviously. Uh, a few minutes later, we were just the two of us were there. And I said to him, I said, um, what do you know about the reader? Does it look like it was science fiction? Uh, and it looks like um, he might have been interested in that. Do you know if he likes that kind of book? And and um, he said, no, I, I really don't know. And I said, well, Maybe maybe interest plays a role, and we shouldn't just focus on level um, so strictly. Um, and and maybe maybe his interest um, would have allowed him to navigate the book with uh, with success. Well, what was really remarkable is um, that teacher checked out the book at as we were leaving the library and I only later found this out, but he checked out the book and on the way back to the classroom, he gave the book to the student and he said, uh, first of all, I think you probably do want to read this book. And secondly, I apologize for not allowing you uh, and for saying that a book might be too hard for you. Well, there's a great example of a teacher who reflected in action, but it took 
that's why we need to live in communities of learners uh, because we all contribute to each other's uh, success as teachers. What a wonderful, what a wonderful illustration. And I, I'm re- reminded of my teaching days and, and a student who loved baseball and was was able to read a book that looking at a, a DRA level, he was not able to read. But but because of his interest, he he was able to read this book about baseball and, and your point about community and, and really making sure that we're reflecting um, on our teaching and reflecting with our colleagues because we learn we learn so much that way. You are you are a literacy expert, you are a professor, you are an author. At the heart of it, you are a literacy teacher. Um, and what I'm I'm curious when you think about your storied career and the the thousands of, of teachers and students you have touched. What do you value most as a literacy teacher? What's your hill, if you will? Well, I think um, I think I value most this uh, this belief that our goal is to make all students uh, read not only with proficiency but also read willingly. Um, you know, in a, in a way, we've all said that we teach ourselves out of our our work as a teacher. You know, because we move students on into a life of their own, and I think that um, that we need to make very sure that we um, that we make the kinds of choices in our classroom that drive the kinds of um, students that drive students toward independence, but not just independence, because you see independence is just saying that somebody can do something without you helping them. Mm-hmm. But I want to move students to a, to a self-determination. I want them uh, to be self-determining uh, readers and writers and thinkers. And so for me, um, that, that idea of, of, sort of launching kids uh, into a life of not only uh, successful reading and writing, but but also a life of uh, self-determination where they become their own uh, masters in a sense. I love that. I love that. And, and as you think of your work with with teachers and, and being in the classrooms as you, as you love to do. And I hope, I hope you get to be back in classrooms really soon. I hope we all do. Um, if you're watching a lesson, what would you look for to, as an, as evidence of that teacher value of working towards independence, helping students work towards independence? Well, I think uh, I'm I'm looking for modeling and demonstrating. In fact, sometimes uh, in a, a kind of uh, a, a fun way, I, I make teachers raise their right hand and say, "I promise," and I repeat, uh, "to not use the word teach, to not use the word teach, <laughs> but instead to use the words model and demonstrate." And so, I think. One of the things that I look for uh, is um, and and try to help teachers see is that it's 
easy for us to lapse into being a teller of what to do instead of a shower of what to do. So uh, one of the things I'm watching for is, are you showing kids? Are you modeling and demonstrating the performance that you want kids then to engage in and, and move to success in? And so I'm often listening for three things. I want to know, um, I want to hear a teacher tell kids what they're, what we're doing, um, because it's important for us to tell kids at, to name what we do. There's power in naming. So today we're going to be learning about whatever. I want teachers to show kids how to do it. So I want them to, ma- I, I want to make sure that they've created that kind of procedural uh, knowledge that they've, that, that they've shown kids what it looks like. And finally, I want to make sure that they are communicating to kids why they're doing it and when they should be doing it. So, uh, I'm watching for all those things. I'm also watching for teachers to stop and let kids turn and talk because it's in the turning and talking that, uh, you know, we all find that we learn things because we say them out loud. Mm -hmm. And so I want kids to turn and talk. uh, And I want the teacher to listen in to the turn and the talk because that becomes formative assessment so I know what to say or do next because I know that there's muddled thinking or confusion out there or our clarity. And then finally, I want to make sure that the teacher is noticing kids who uh, are, are uh, successful and kids that are striving to understand. And uh, I hope that they'll, I'll see a teacher pull aside um, a group of children to differentiate uh, so that uh, that extra support is available to kids who need it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with where we are in the world right now, I have to ask you um, about distance learning. So, so just, you know, with our current reality where there is a lot of distance learning, hybrid learning, um, and teachers who are challenged with teaching both in person and online at the same time, we've witnessed teacher morale drop. We have these values and goals that we want to achieve, but maybe as teachers right now, we feel powerless to to do so. Um, What advice do you have for teachers right now who are struggling, doubting themselves, and maybe are not in a place where they can fully communicate what they value. So I think, first of all, I have to say that I want to um, to just give a, an enormous, uh, express enormous gratitude to teachers right now. Um, their courage, their willingness to, uh, to just do the work in spite of uh, navigating uh, this unprecedented kind mm-hmm. of context we find ourselves in. Uh, one of the things that I, I 
encourage people to to do and I find that Brene Brown is is moving into almost every presentation that I that I give and almost every conversation in fact my granddaughter is a first year teacher this year and uh, and and I know that she's she's doing exactly what you say she's face to face and also virtual with students and I told her the other day, I said, go to YouTube and find a Brene Brown video mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and you'll feel better. So the first thing that I want to say is that um, I encourage people to accept the idea that we're vulnerable uh, and that uh, instead of trying to to somehow put on a facade of confidence and, uh, you know, false confidence, let's just let's just acknowledge that we're vulnerable. I feel vulnerable. I'm teaching virtually uh, the students at the university. And I know that my work is, um, uh, I know that I'm constantly trying to uh, get better and better at doing what I really haven't ever had any training Mm -hmm. to do, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think the other advice I would have uh, is that, one of the things we can't stop doing is modeling and demonstrating. So I think thinking aloud, uh, you know, being vulnerable and thinking aloud uh, for the students in our classrooms, but also the students that are virtual. Uh, the other thing that I that I realized uh, that we could do is we can put all sorts of scaffolds uh, into text. We can put little call-outs in a text that we want kids to read. So when we're not sitting beside them as we would normally be, um, our voice is still there. So sometimes I put these little um, these little call outs, you know, the, the little uh, thinking bubbles. And I say, uh, what are you thinking about the character right here? Or, hmm, what's going on here? So that kids... Um, feel a sense of my presence, even though we're, we're not, um, connected, uh, as we would typically be. And I guess the, the, the last thing would be just, um, just get up every day and, and, uh, embrace the day and, and know that, um, that this isn't going to be forever. Um, but also to be in a constant state of reflection. So we're thinking about what we're doing and what's happening uh, and how we can, uh, you know, how we can really, uh, how can, how how can we communicate that care and that uh, sense of responsibility? I I do want to read, um, Brene Brown's words. I have I have a quote here that I I I don't want to paraphrase her because her words are so powerful. Um, she says the in Rising Strong, the more difficult it is for us to articulate our experiences of loss, longing, and feeling lost to the people around us, the more disconnected and alone we feel. So. I want teachers to be be conscious of an unseen community. So I know uh, lots of times 
when I was a director of language arts, I would be in my office light, light, light at night. And I would uh, be feeling very alone. And all of a sudden, I would think about all the people across the country and, and really even international colleagues. And I would think about all the people who were sitting and thinking and caring just as much as I did. And I took strength from uh, from that unseen community. So I think what I want us to, to know is that we're all in this together and we're all doing the very best that we can uh, to navigate these strange times. Um, and, and I want us to trust and be kind to ourselves. Dr. Wallace, I always find our conversations refreshing and, and, um, I, I love how you, you know, you're just encouraging us to give ourselves a little bit of grace right now. And I think we all could use a little bit of grace and some smiles. And I certainly have had a smile on my face this entire conversation. So thank you. Thank you for, for talking with me today and for sharing your expertise with, with um, myself and with our listeners. Well, thank you. And it's always a pleasure for me to sit and spend some time reflecting uh, on what makes teaching the best possible uh, work uh, in the whole world. Couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Walter, back to you. That's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to both Dr. Judy Wallace and Jamie Downey for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Fresh Ideas for Teaching podcast. Until next time. This podcast is presented by Savvis Learning Company a next-generation learning company providing award-winning solutions for grades pre-K through 12. Visit savvis.com today. Learn with us.